And I'm Trevor, and welcome to Catching Up on Cinema. If you aren't familiar with the program, Catching Up on Cinema is a film analysis podcast wherein myself and Kyle introduce each other to films, and in this way, we catch up on our cinema. Uh, So it is the month of December 2020, and uh, Kyle has decided that he wanted to take creative control for the entire month, and uh, I'm just fine with that. (laughs) And uh, I believe what we're calling this month is Kyle's Brutal Christmas. Is this correct, sir? (laughs) Kyle's Brutal Christmas. Okay, well, uh, I can only assume that the the next five weeks of content are going to consist of uh, brutal uh, Christmas-related films and or holiday films. Uh, So to start things off, we have a film that is only brutal in fits and spurts. Uh, However, those instances of brutality are quite gruesome. Uh, That would be Martin McDonough's In Bruges from 2008. Um, Kyle, why, why did you pick this one to kick things off in December? Well, this was a movie that kind of went under the radar for me for, shit, probably 10 years. Uh, And it came to my attention on, like, one of those lists, like, what are some, like, good, dark Christmas movies? Like, I wanted to watch something that was Christmas-themed, but not necessarily a a Christmas movie. Um, This is the opposite, actually. It's a Christmas movie, but it's not (laughs) Christmas-themed. And uh, it was a dark comedy, so I'm like, oh, that sounds nice. And it's got uh, Brendan Gleeson and, uh, and Colin Farrell. I'm like... Hmm, I like both of those guys. Let's let's see what's going on here. And they're like, oh, Ray Fiennes is also in it. I'm like, well, you sold me. And uh, it's also the director of Seven Psychopaths, which I, I really enjoyed that movie. So Steph and I, my girlfriend and I, gave it a watch, and uh, we really enjoyed it. I was actually uh, re-watching it a little bit just before we started recording, and I was laughing out loud uh, <laughs> some of the things I forgot about. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a fun little balance of uh, it kind of tugs at the heartstrings a tad, um, it's got some violent parts. Um, it's kind of some badass moments in here, and it's actually really funny. It's it's a strange uh, concoction for a film. Yeah, uh, the tone is extraordinarily hard to place. Um, it's it's not tonally inconsistent. Um, actually, it is quite consistent. It's just it's it's kind of disarming how how often it jumps back and forth between being outright goofy and just extraordinarily heavy mm-hmm. and and as we mentioned earlier brutal um but um you said this was a movie you slept on for about 10 years i slept on this for about 12 years um (laughs) because i've i've known this film by reputation um largely for all the the reasons you mentioned before mostly the cast um although the director in recent years has become like a critical darling he has very few films under his belt but each and every time he steps up to the plate it seems like he knocks it out of the park yes i mean three billboards got you know it did have some people that were not so fond of it but at the same time uh the people who matter uh, seem to like it (laughs) um but yeah uh, this was a movie that i knew about by reputation and yet for whatever reason it took me until this week uh, to finally get around to watching it so i have to Thank you for that, because it was an enjoyable experience. And uh, not only that, uh, this director only has three features under his belt, and uh, both of them I only watched because you told me to. <laughs> so I guess I have to thank you for introducing me to Martin McDonough, because uh, Seven Psychopaths, when we worked together, um, you you had talked up and you mm. had insisted I check it out. And, you know, on your recommendation, I did. 
He's very good at finding, it's interesting, he finds actors who are very good at being very serious and menacing, but who are also really funny. Because I think he does a great job with Woody Harrelson in that movie. Um, I think that he's kind of menacing as a, he's menacing as a bad guy, but he's also fucking hilarious. And I think he gets to, he gets to do both sides. Sam Rockwell as well. I think he might be the perfect of those two, where he can be pretty scary and menacing, but he's also hilarious. Um, I wonder if he could uh, squeeze something out of Michael Shannon, because he... <laughs> He's terrifying, and he's also really funny in The Night Before. I think I've told you about that. Uh, he's actually he's pretty funny in that. Oh, I think he would do some wonderful things with Michael Shannon because um, there's actually some funny connections, um, largely in the form of the, uh, the soundtrack, the score for this film. Um, Carter Burwell uh, did the score for this film, and funny enough, I, I just did an episode about movie scores um, with our good friend Brad from the Cinema Speak podcast. Mm-hmm. And this film specifically, not just the composer, but this film in Bruges was one that Brad had highlighted um, as being one of one of his favorite scores. And I can see why. It's lovely. Uh, it's, it's lovely is the right word to use. Um, it's mostly piano work. Um, it's like kind of melancholy and contemplative, but it 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 it's also very repetitive, but it just it fucking works. And what's the connection that I'm hinting at here is that uh, Carter Burwell happens to be a composer that has worked with the Cohen brothers ah. um, many times. Um, he seems to be like their go-to in a lot of ways. Hmm. Um, and in a lot of ways, I see like Martin McDonough sharing some DNA with yes. them. He, yes. he he's like a a, a Cohen like Gentile. He, he's he's <laughs> yeah he's he's the Gentile Cohen he's by way Gentile of Cohen. Ireland. <laughs> <laughs> um, honestly, though, like they do have some stylistic similarities in the way they present their stories. Um, he doesn't have like the the story cul-de-sacs that they do, but the tone is kind of similar. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's like it's darkly comic, but mostly serious when it needs to be. But it kind of it like effortlessly like waves back and forth between those areas. I think the Coen Brothers maintain they their tone isn't as bumpy. I think his tones are a little more bumpy. They're they're out of whack a bit more. Uh, I, st- I still think they're like both of them are a lot of fun. I think their movies are, are fun, but yeah, I think his is just a little. His extremes go a little bit high. I think. Yeah, I, I could see that. Um, I mean, maybe back in the day, the Coens were were a little more wild, like fast and loose with how they did things. Like mm-hmm. you and I both watched uh, Raising Arizona um, a while back, and that seemed to be a different flavor of Cohen. Um, seems like these days they've moved away from that. But, you know, they're still the same people. They still have it in them. And from time to time, they do touch on that. But, yeah, it, it's impossible to, to watch his work and not think of them. And for me personally, a lot of it has to do with the music, where it's like, oh, that sounds so very familiar. And the subject matter also feels very familiar in so many ways. Um, that's not a knock on him. It's no. just an observation. I think his the the delivery of humor. I don't think the jokes are the same. I just think you kind of have to you have to be paying attention to the movies to find the humor. Like if you're just kind of like vaguely watching The Big Lebowski, like you're not gonna know it's, it's not gonna be funny at all. Like you're not really gonna understand what's happening. But if you're paying attention, it's a it's a hilarious movie. Yeah, and I think it's funny that both of them have that kind of uh, curb your enthusiasm slash uh, Seinfeld approach to their storytelling, where there's a lot of small details that everything becomes like cyclical at some point mm-hmm. where it's like oh you know that that like random opening gag we're, we're definitely going to get to it it yeah. might take 25 minutes but we'll, we'll get there <laughs> this callbacks are really like the the uh the wine bottle was really funny <laughs> that, oh, that was, was 
That was one of the laugh out loud moments. A bottle. A bottle. <laughs> I figured you'd laugh at that one. I'm like, Trevor's gonna like that one. Is the delivery was perfect. Like uh, just the way he's. I didn't say it right, but just his eyes widening and him. <laughs> A bottle. <laughs> he is very cartoonish in this. Um, but yeah, so I'll, I'll give us give the plot real quick. Uh, so two Irish hitmen uh, are taking a holiday in Bruges, uh, that's in Belgium, by the way, uh, for up to two weeks. Their boss wants them to stay there for up to two weeks, maybe for a job, we're not really sure. Uh, but one of our hitmen has, seems to be going through a bit of a crisis, an existential crisis, and uh, we deal with that uh, in Bruges. Yeah, uh, that's a very clean plot summary. Um, without giving it away. Act- <laughs> Yeah, with, without giving it away, um, like, spoiler alert, we are going to have spoilers. Yes, there will be spoilers. How, <laughs> yeah, that is how we... If this is your first time, there's spoiler alerts. If this is not your first time, you should have figured it out by now. <laughs> we talk about the whole fucking um, movie. Um, but yeah, I, thank you for pointing out that Bruges is in Belgium. It's in Belgium. Um, funny enough, that is, like, how the movie opens. They do, they do explicitly state... By the way, it's in Belgium. Where the fuck is uh, because, Well, I mean, me being a dumb American, I didn't really know. Like, I know it's, I know it's a European place. I don't know exactly where in. Well, we uh, we kind of talk about let's talk about Colin Farrell a little bit because uh, let's talk about the dynamic of the two. So we have uh, Brendan Gleeson playing. I didn't catch his name. Uh, I know that Colin Farrell is Ray. Yes, uh, Brendan Gleeson is Ken. Ken, Ken and Ray, easy to remember. Guys, I forgot. Yeah. I'm surprised I forgot that. Canon Ryu? <laughs> there you go, Ryu. Canon Ryu. Ryu. It's saying Ryu for years. Um, sorry if I sound weird, folks. I'm kind of getting over a little bit of sickness here, uh, but I'm gonna I'm gonna push through. We'll be okay. You know, Thanksgiving, man. Sometimes the turkey punches back. <sighs> yeah, the turkey punch back. Um, yeah. So uh, Ken and Ryu are uh, <laughs> headed into Bruges, and uh, you can tell that. Uh, Brendan Gleeson's character, uh, Ken, he's kind of excited. Like he's like, "Oh, this, this is cool," you know. It's like medieval. It's one, of, like I guess, one of the oldest medieval towns in uh, in uh, Europe. And fucking uh, uh, Ray is just shitting on the whole thing. Like, this is fucking stupid. This place is a shithole. And you, you as an observer, are just like, it's actually beautiful. Like you're looking at the buildings and everything, and it's Christmas time. They have a really classy Christmas display. Like I, I love all the just. Like the, it's just understated. The Christmas tree in the little hotel that they're staying in—it was just lovely, lovely. And he's just shitting on all of it. Yeah, as he states, he's from Dublin, and uh, he's not impressed by this uh, <laughs> town from the 1100s, so lovingly preserved. <laughs> I'm like, maybe uh, I guess I had a, the wrong interpretation. I, I, I thought Dublin probably looked something similar, like similar to this. I think they'd have a, a rich history. I guess they've got more pubs, but. What what I got from that is he's you know he's from a bigger place so he mm. he's not impressed by these townies and whatnot and their their <laughs> and their stone houses and it's, whatnot. It's weird as an American to think about like a, a place that you would want to go visit like Bruges is like oh just all these fucking townies here in Belgium they're like oh, well, it seems like it'd be a pretty cool place to visit man. Yeah no I mean it's a it's a very picturesque town mm. um, like I like had told you town. before we yeah like a fairy tale. <laughs> <laughs> That comes up a few times in the movie, but like I'm sure uh, tourism spiked after this movie came out. Like mm. probably among people, like local Europeans and whatnot, just because they do make the town look pretty gorgeous from mm. time to time. And yeah, like you said, the the square is is delightful. Like they have a little cafe area that just looks like mm, like I could spend all evening out there. And 
Um, it's all dressed up for Christmas, like you said. But yeah, like right off the bat, the way we're introduced to the characters, it's it's really simple, like archetypal stuff. Where like just based on the way both of these people look, and like the way Brendan Gleeson is allowed to smile quite a bit in this mm-hmm. movie. He's not always allowed to do that, and no. it always looks weird because he's Brendan Gleeson, and I'm used to being, I'm used to associating the word harumph with Brendan Gleeson. <laughs> it looks like he's gonna put his big meaty thumb in your eye. Like that's what I always <laughs> think of when I see him. I'm like, God damn, look at those mitts. <laughs> <laughs> Brendan Gleeson subsists on nothing but mashed potatoes and peas, <laughs> just buckets of it. Buckets. And, uh, the word cantankerous is what comes to mind when I think of Brandon. Cantankerous. Brandon yeah, <laughs> cantankerous. <laughs> um, but in this film, he's not that. Um, he's generally kind of like a, a sunny side up kind of fellow. He's he, jolly. He's jolly. And he's here and he doesn't, He neither of them know why they're here, but his approach to things is like, well, you know, I'm here. I'm here. It's mm-hmm. it's beautiful. Make the most I'm going to make the most of it. I'm going to go exploring and check out the sites and whatnot. And Colin Farrell's being a child, and especially starting off, you're just like, what the? What is this dude's? If when I first started watching this movie, I was like, I don't know if I can handle this. Like he's being a real bitch. Like <laughs> he's being a little, he's being a little shit. You want to thump his nose? Well, I mean, all all credit to the filmmaker. Um, they they slip in like one shot very 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 early on that you know kind of makes you feel a little bit easier about that because i i was i didn't have the same reaction as you but if that was him the entire movie yes that would Mm. get annoying that would get old very fast um but what i'm talking about is like when they first get to their room um by the way they're living in like a single yeah uh, (laughs) it's like a single hotel suite but it's two beds and you know again a man that like subsists entirely on mashed potatoes and peas i don't think i want to bunk next to him yeah that's gonna be a rough night for everyone he mostly, probably snores mostly too. you he probably snores <laughs> he's a snorer like he, yeah he, he didn't bring his sleep apnea machine he didn't bring his cpap <laughs> you can't bring that from country to country like there's <laughs> there's regulations against that but, <laughs> but um what i'm talking about is like when they're settling in um there's just this moment where Brendan Gleeson's like, dude, chill out. Like yeah. you're starting to, you're starting to irk me. And Colin Farrell just snaps into this like very vulnerable state where he's like, do you, do you have to, he doesn't even get all the words out, but just his acting through his face alone tells you that something's wrong. Mm-hmm. Like he's, he's got something on his mind that he doesn't want to get into right now. And that's probably why he's being such a piss. <laughs> he's yeah. being such a pisser because he, He's got a lot on his mind, and he's about every to little, cry. yeah, every little annoyance is amplified, and so he's being kind of a punk about it. And he, Brendan Gleeson's like, oh, okay, fine, all <laughs> oh, he's off. Yeah, he's a little standoffish, kind of picking fights here and there. Uh, we we do meet a they're, they're going out sightseeing. He's like, we're not going to go to the bar, we're going to go out and sightsee. He's like, we're we're here on business, but we can't be getting pissed. Why do British people have such better slang than us? It's just getting pissed. I wish I could say it without sounding like a douchebag. I just I just want that one. I want to go get pissed. Uh, yeah, I mean, you start wearing one of those cabbie caps and mm. uh, saying the word pissed, Kyle. I'm yeah. sorry. We might, we may have to cancel the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> I think I have to say it with an accent so it doesn't seem douchey. Even so. Yeah. Like, I think you already have to be pissed 
to get away with that as an American. Yeah. Like like then it's like oh he's he's just feeling it. He's yeah. He's, in, he's in he's he's got the vibes he's just rolling with it but like if you start the evening being like hey let's all get pissed it's like uh get the I'll fuck away it. from me <laughs> get the fuck away from me <laughs> um, but yeah 28 days later folks 20, yeah. check it out yeah. <laughs> yeah this isn't our first Brendan Gleeson flick um yeah so yeah they're uh they're going sightseeing and Colin Farrell can he's just he's not having any of it and uh Brendan Gleeson, we get, um, we don't really know what's happening between the two of them, and it's, we just, we, it, little bits are told to us here and there, but Brendan Gleeson goes up to the clock tower, and he's just kind of looking around, and he's really enjoying it, and he sees Colin Farrell about, what, 25, 30 stories down, uh, just kind of in a courtyard, yeah, and he points his hand, uh, you know, index finger and thumb, like he's shooting him, and he's kind of smiling, and you think that they're relate like the way they've been talking with each other is like they seem to be friendly like they they have like they know each other pretty well and it's kind of strange seeing him point a gun and shoot at him uh, didn't really know what to make of that the first time uh, yeah I didn't really know what what that particular gesture meant um, if I remember right the opening narration does allude to like murder and guns so we do know that these and it's delivered by Colin Farrell so we do know that you know these these guys are up to some dirty business and whatnot but one character moment i'd like to spotlight uh, just because i i latched onto it i thought it was neat um especially because it's brendan gleason um when he goes up the tower uh the guard posted there uh, it's not really a guard it's just like a guy that takes he gives you a ticket basically he lets you pass mm-hmm. um brendan gleason tries to pay him like it's supposed to be like five euros or something mm-hmm. and he tries to pay him four point eight like 480 like cents basically yeah. <laughs> like and he does so knowing full well that he can't afford this but he's like oh i'll just pay with my pocket change and the whole time he's counting out the change in front of the guy and smiling and whatnot and the guy doesn't he doesn't bite for it yeah. he's like no it, it's five euros buddy and Brendan Gleeson's face just changes. <laughs> He's like, you motherfucker. <laughs> and it's kind of neat just because it shows you that it's like, oh, like there's Brendan Gleeson is more than just the jolly traveler. Like he mm-hmm. can go, he can go real dark when, when the situation calls for it. So I was like, ooh. Like he's probably gonna get mean later. <laughs> he has a good character shift in the bar. I think that's uh that's that's a good time for him. But yeah, he's uh, he's up in the clock tower. He points the gun, and Brendan and uh, Ken decides to pick an argument more or less with a, a morbidly obese family from uh, America. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. That that was the first moment in the film that I just laughed out loud. So Ray's just sitting on the bench by himself. So it'd be Colin Farrell with his hands in his pockets. It looks just chilly out. and this wall of humanity. <laughs> <laughs> it's only three people, but it it is a fucking defensive line. I was gonna say the ca- the Cowboys O line just kind of walk up. <laughs> they just like walk up to him in the way it's framed from a low angle, and then like. They do a shot, reverse shot, but the way he's framed is between their shoulders. It's just his mm-hmm. head, like, cupped between their shoulders looming over him. Yeah. And uh, he tells them, like, straight up, they're like, hey, I, like, I've heard the tower is really great. Have you been up there? And he lies, and he says, yeah. And he's like, you don't want to go up there, though. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, why? It's like, fucking look at you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Stairs are too narrow. You're not going to fit up there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and uh, they take offense to this, and so the the leader of the pack, the uh, Silverback, <laughs> uh, big fella charges him, and we get this like just physical comedy gold of 
It's a gigantic, like, overweight man chasing Colin Farrell, yeah. who's just kind of, like, gingerly mincing around a bit. <laughs> his hands aren't even outside of his coat. Like, his hands are still yeah. in his coat. <laughs> yeah, it, it reminds me of an uh, incoming Simpsons reference. It reminds me of uh, Chief Wiggum uh, chasing a goose that stole his gun. <laughs> so Chief Wiggum is, just draw a circle and put a couple of limbs on it, and there you have oh, Chief okay. Wiggum. Uh, he's quite rotund, and it's him like waddling after this this goose who is not exactly graceful either. <laughs> it's just a slow slow motion chase, and yeah, it's hilarious to watch because Colin Farrell is not breaking a sweat, but just his face tells you he's like, I don't want anything to do with you. Stay away from me. Yeah, get away from me. <laughs> uh, yeah, and then Brendan Gleeson has an exchange with him. It's pretty funny as well. Um, but they've pretty much been ordered to just like stay. They're like, don't. They're kind of under the assumption that they're on a job. Uh, at least that's when Brittany Gleason kind of tells them. They go to a, they go to a pub for a minute. I do like how excited uh, he is to get a beer finally. <laughs> he's just so he's just so excited. Um, and he's like, "We're not sitting down here getting drunk." And uh, I think they end up going back to the hotel, or I think maybe Colin Farrell decides to stay out. I can't remember. There's only they only stay like two nights in Bruges. Yeah, they go to the pub, and that's where um, they like Brendan Gleason's a step ahead. He he surmises that there's potential for them to be on a job here because mm-hmm. he he himself can't really think of it it's, the way he the way they come about this is that uh brendan gleason decides that it's like you know this is an awful lot of trouble to go to to just hang out like to just hide out like why would we go to a, a town like Bruges? Yeah. you can do that anywhere why would we go here uh, so they it plants the seed in both of their heads so it's like hmm, maybe we're here to do a job and the conversation just like snaps to an end with a Ray asking, like, but we don't have guns. <laughs> and he's, and uh, Ken replies, it's like, well, Harry or Harry uh, can get guns anywhere yeah. in Europe, which is an important detail for a European film because guns are a lot harder to come by yeah. in, in a lot of European countries than they are here. Um, but yeah, then they, they go back to their hotel and uh, like Ken's reading, and I, I love the way he turns his pages. He like starts at the top and he slides it all the way down to the bottom, and then he turns it. It's, it's very it's some actor shit, but <laughs> like nobody does that. <laughs> like only people that wear, wear like tweed jackets do that. <laughs> I hate when people uh, dab the finger on their tongue and then turn the page. Like, you don't see that's some that. that's some actor shit. Nobody actually does that unless they again wear tweed jackets and smoke a pipe or something. Both of my grandmothers do it. See, th- but that's a generational thing. Yeah, like, yeah. That's a grandma. That's a gam gam thing. <laughs> but for me, I I haven't earned that. I can't do that without looking like an asshole. Yeah. And also, I don't feel like Doesn't licking my fingers. Yeah. No. Yeah. Yeah. I don't want to touch a book that probably many other people have touched and yeah. lick it. <laughs> um, but uh, Ray's reaction to like sitting there watching him uh, eat and read is he's like literally like bouncing in his seat like a child. And he's like, <laughs> like we should go do something. Like Harry's not going to call tonight. We should go out. And his first suggestion is, of course, to go to the poop, uh, yeah. because that seems like where he just wants to be forever. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, I get it. Um, and it doesn't work out. But instead, like he 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 gets this like devilish little grin on his face, and he's like, How "About we go see the sights. That seems to be what you want to do. And all yeah. I want to do is not be here." Um, so they go out. And walking about at, in the middle of the night, and they find a uh, a film set. Yeah. And uh, I love the way Ray runs over like a little child. He's like, they're filming dwarves. They're filming <laughs> little people, yeah. They're filming dwarves. 
<laughs> Mind you, this this was in 2008, and it's a, it seemed to be a European production, I'm assuming, um, or at least for the most part. So, yeah, they're yeah. Not, not as PC as we are today, but yeah, he, he is dropping the M word quite a bit here. Um, <laughs> <yeah>. M. Yes. <laughs> uh, but yeah, he's just so excited about it, but then he sees a hot girl. Uh, by the way, there are four of the actors, the main actors from this film, are from the Harry Potter franchise. No shit. Yeah. She's from the Harry, she's from the Harry Potter movies. Brendan Gleeson's Mad-Eye Moody. Uh, Ray Fiennes is obviously um, uh, Voldemort. And then Colin Farrell is actually in the Fantastic Beast movie. Okay. Yeah. Wow. I, I didn't know uh, I didn't know the Chloe gal was in there. Yeah. Wow. Well, yeah. Uh, she she's uh, delightful. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, they have it's not quite a meet cute but he turns it into one yeah, um, uh, it's actually kind of neat the way it's framed it's like if, if you've ever been a, a young man that you know spotted a, a pretty young gal that he's you like had to 40 think. years old in this movie <laughs> <laughs> well he's colin farrell he can hide it <laughs> he doesn't even have student loan debt anymore <laughs> he's a grown-ass man well, the way they frame it, it's it's a it's very skillfully put together. Where it's like you can kind of put yourself in his shoes, mm-hmm. and like just the way the camera work flows and the way the edits flow, you 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 get the feeling shooting between the two of them, even without any dialogue uh, exchanged. Um, but when they do exchange dialogue, uh, he somehow sneaks uh, onto the active set, like in the like kind of like the green room area. So this would be like the food services craft area. services yeah craft services and uh he uh he starts uh trying to cozy up to her with some talk about uh little people yeah i don't know how <laughs> what was his end game here like this game is awful well her she's not exactly an angel so no. maybe maybe she's into weird shit or something but um yeah he just shares some uh depressing factoids uh, about little people and their suicide statistics being elevated uh compared to most other people most other demographics and uh she like of course the first question he asks is like do you speak english and her reply is no <laughs> but he keeps going anyway it's like, no, no, bullshit yeah you do everybody speaks english <laughs> um but yeah it all ends with uh her giving him a lot of just like quizzical looks like i you're weird, mm. <laughs> um, but probably charming to some extent too. And so she does the very cool person thing of walking away from him, pretending that she's not interested, and in, like purposefully dropping her business card behind her so he can call her later. Yeah, I'm thinking like if she's a Bruges native, uh, she probably doesn't get a lot of dudes like this. It's mostly people on vacation or holiday, however you want to say it. Um, people just coming to visit with their families. You know, you get like young single Irish dudes that are not supposed to really be there hanging out. So yeah, he's probably pretty interesting. Yeah. Um, and I think shortly after this is when, uh, we get Ray Fiennes' introduction to the film by, uh, via, via voiceover. So he, has, he doesn't have a physical presence yet, but Kyle, but do he you, has, do you? A, he has a presence. That's what's crazy. He's not even, he's, he's not even in the film the first half, but he still has this lingering presence. But yeah, uh, he called the he called the hotel that they're staying at, and uh, they weren't even gone that long. But he called and left a message, and the the lady working there, she just kind of was like, "Are you Ray?" He's like, "No, I'm the other guy." Wait, no, I am Ray. <laughs> like, it's, she's kind of funny, but uh, she gives him the telegram. And she's just kind of like gives him this look, like she's disappointed in him, and uh, he reads the messages like. Why the fuck aren't you in the fucking uh, hotel? I called you in the fucking hotel. You better fucking be here to fucking tomorrow. Like, the fuck makes up most of the telegram. <laughs> it's really funny. 
Well, and, what's funny is that you need to remember that this me- this message was relayed through her. Yes. Which is why her face is like that. Yeah. <laughs> she's like, whoever it is you're doing business with, stop. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty um, funny. And I like that the she has a handwritten message at the bottom of it saying, like, I'm not the receptionist, I'm co-owner. <laughs> I own the hotel. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Brendan Gleason's kind of in a bad mood. He's going to bed, and uh, Ken, or no, not Ken, uh, Ray. Ray. Ray comes up, and, uh, you know, he's been out drinking, obviously. Uh, he got a number. He's celebrating a little bit. I do like he's like, he's, he turns on the light, and he gets really angry at him. He's like, whew, you in a mood. And then he's like, would you shut up? I'm like trying to sleep. And I do like Colin Farrell's like, I gotta take my contacts out. And he's like, I had five pints and six bottles. No, wait, six pints and five bottles. Like, either way, either way, that's a lot of, he's like, and I'm not even pissed. I'm not even like, pretty sure you are. Like, I think you are. You should not operate a vehicle. Yeah. Um, but his uh childlike glee is it's kind of undeniable though or like he's he's doing a million things at once he just he he's not ready for bed but Mm-mm. like everything about bread and gleason's body language is just like shut the fuck up <laughs> let me go to sleep <laughs> um, um yeah he he goes down to breakfast the next day and he kind of apologize or brendan gleason goes down for breakfast the next day and apologizes and uh it's really not like he's he's really such a courteous guy he's just he's just really polite and uh, Colin Farrell comes downstairs and he's like, hey, we missed Harry's call, so tonight we're not doing shit. And I, I like this scene where he's just like, we're both staying in tonight. And Colin Farrell's like, oh, oh, okay. Like, uh, well, remember I told you I have a date? So we don't both need to be there. But <laughs> he's just like a little kid about it. Like, oh, uh-huh, yeah. Huh. <laughs> we got to figure this out. <laughs> I'm not doing it justice. His facial expressions are really funny. Yeah, no, he he makes he makes wonderful use of his his eyes his and his eyebrows. eyebrows and like it, he's very expressive and like we said at the top, um, he he's able to navigate like every angle of the emotional spectrum like effortlessly. Mm-hmm. Like he can be so fucking funny, and then you feel so much for him, like because he does get pretty heavy and and downtrodden at several moments in this film and he he carries it just fine um but i think uh we we go to the the church Mm -hmm. after this and uh this is again ken wanting to go sightseeing so he's like the agreement is you can go out on your date but you got to come along with me during the daytime to do what i want to do so he wants to go to this church where um there's a fabled piece of like fabric or something stained with the blood of jesus that you don't have to torch it you don't have to you don't have to torch it. <laughs> He's really of course, upset by that. <laughs> well, I mean, it's like if it's available to you, yeah. you should fucking touch it. Hey, maybe torch don't, it. <laughs> maybe don't take him to a church. Did you think about that? No, apparently he didn't, because he keeps doing this like repeatedly. <laughs> um, it'll come up in just a second here, but um, yeah, when they're in the church, uh, Ray's being—he's throwing a hissy fit, um, and. Ken calls him on it, and they have a disagreement such that Ray just excuses himself from the building. And uh, a few seconds later, I think, is when they end up on a bench together. And Mm -hmm. this is where we finally... Is this where we finally learn why Ray is the way he is? Yeah, and I I think this was a really... Like, this was really done well. Uh, What's the... (sighs) It's Kieran. Kieran. 
It's Kieran, but I always want to say Siren. Kieran Hines. And then what's the guy from Batman? Uh, uh, Cillian. Cillian Murphy. So Cillian Murphy, Kieran Hines. That's I get the I get the two names mixed up. Like which yeah, one gets yeah. the cut and the suh. Um, the, uh, yeah, so we, we learned that, um, they're hitmen and they were doing a job and, uh, Colin Farrell was doing a job to kill a priest. I, I I like the way this played out. He just tells him like, yeah, I killed somebody. He's like, I killed you. So he doesn't do a very good job. He shoots him in the, more or less the lower part of the torso and the leg, which I feel like you'd go for the, the, the torso, like maybe the sternum area. And, uh, he kind of just piddles out into the other room and Colin Farrell just finishes the job, shoots him like probably eight times in the back and the priest falls and you see that uh, to his horror, uh, he shot a little kid, maybe like eight years old, praying in the uh, church and that's pretty brutal and Brendan Gleeson just like runs in after it just takes like a, a few seconds, Brendan Gleeson comes in, runs and grabs him, takes him out of there so it's pretty clear why they're in Bruges now they're a bit on the run and we can see why Colin Farrell can, or Ray is having a difficult time yeah uh, because he shot a child yes oh, I mean he uh, we do learn later that was his first hit job as well mm. so also, like doing the priest alone probably would have been rough but accidentally shooting a child in the fucking face by the way yeah, <laughs> um, yeah that, that'll mess you up um, but yeah, uh, Kieran Hines uh, slumming it. He only had like two lines. Uh, he got to be rigged up with all sorts of squibs, and then he got to call it a day. Yeah. Uh, that would be a fun day on set. Just yeah. like, so you're going to strap a bunch of explosives to me, and I get to act? Cool. Yeah, <laughs> sounds like, like fun. Yeah, sounds like fun. Let's do it again. <laughs> but, um, yeah, he, uh, he just unloads like the whole magazine into the priest. And uh, I, I really like that uh, the kid was praying, and I think he had like, a list of things that he was praying for uh, yeah. praying for or giving like penance for i guess just to make it worse yeah yeah and the list actually is kind of interesting because i don't know if all of them apply to colin farrell um but many of them do as as he's characterized later in the film because uh, it's just three points it's um uh being moody uh, being bad at maths <laughs> and uh being sad i think was one of the other ones and it's like, I don't know if Colin Farrell's character is bad at math, but he's certainly those other two things. He's um, not very so, bright, but I could see him not being <laughs> very good at math. Yeah, uh, so it's kind of interesting that the child would have, you know, similar things to be having to pray for or wanting to give penance for in some fashion. Um, and it's interesting because this is, this is getting a little bit ahead of things, but uh, it's one of the strongest themes in the movie, I think, that is really interesting like it's probably it probably goes even deeper than i even noticed um but there's there's a lot of uh repetition of the theme of kind of like having to pay the pay the fee or pay the price kind of mm-hmm. like and the the score even highlights that where there's this air of inevitability about things especially when ray fines arrives on the scene and his theme music is just like this plodding like march where it's just like He's gonna get. He's the Terminator. Yeah. Like he's gonna. He's gonna find you and he's gonna kill you no matter what. Um, and there's a lot of that. And, and it even extends to like Brendan Gleeson, like trying to get up the tower by paying less than what was owed. It's like no, that's not how the world works. Like if you if you do bad, you do have to pay a price for it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it seems to extend to a lot of the characters in the story. Um, but yeah, uh, this this whole scene, uh, Ray's first hit is told to us in just a very quick flashback sequence 
Um, and then they're back on the bench and is, <laughs> I, th- I think this is where we get the, f- the, m- the first mention because it comes up several times in the film as, as many other, uh, running gags, uh, do throughout the film of karate and bottles. <laughs> yeah, they were talking about hitting a like like hitting a woman or like shooting a woman or something like that. It's like never would unless she's got a bottle. <laughs> That's yeah, Brendan Gleason. Brendan Gleason's trying to like level with him, and he's telling a story of having killed someone and uh, also had to kill that person's brother um, because they ran at him with a bottle. And Ray's like, well. That's fine though, because a bottle is a weapon. He yeah. he could kill you. It was you know it was a you or him kind of situation. So you didn't do wrong there. So basically, Ken is trying to ease the burden a little bit, saying like sometimes, sometimes when guns are involved, people die, and you know you carry on. Um, but Ray's like, your situation is not anything like mine. Mine was like a helpless kid like praying that didn't even know that anything bad was happening. Yours was someone's brother running at you not only with their bare hands but with a bottle um but they get into like semantics argument here where it's like well bare hands are a weapon too and he's like oh what does he know fucking karate (laughs) (laughs) yeah Uh, it's great (laughs) but yeah both of those things pop up several more times in the film and every time it's hilarious (laughs) yeah so does he um does he go on his date next yeah, I get, believe he goes on the on the date, <laughs> getting ready for his date. And uh, yeah, uh, I do want to highlight that both characters uh, do get extended sequences where they're looking at themselves in the mirror. Hmm. Um, they're dressing themselves up to the nines. Um, and in Ray's case, he it's when he's getting ready for his date, and he's just like looking himself up and down, like making sure he looks hot. It, like it's not hard when you're calling for. Yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, Brendan Gleeson does it later in the film when he's expecting bad things in his immediate future. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just one of those reflective moments that you know filmmakers and actors love to do, where it, all it is is a simple shot of somebody looking at themselves in the mirror, and yet combination of their acting, the framing, and especially the score, like you you feel something from it. Where it's mm-hmm. like you're not entirely sure what it is that's being exhibited here, but it's like hmm. They've got a lot on their mind. <laughs> well, after you've seen him, you know, shoot a kid in the head, you kind of, you're kind of on the side of like, you, I know it sucks, but you kind of have what's coming to you. So, in this scene, you kind of, you kind of feel for him. You're like, he knows it's inevitable, and you're kind of okay with that. Um, but yeah, he go, he goes out on his uh, date, and uh, he's. He's being actually honest with her. Like he's like, yeah, I kill priests and kids. Like, I mean, I guess why not just just air it out? She's not gonna believe you anyway. But uh, we've learned that she's not. She doesn't work on the film set. She just sells cocaine and heroin to uh, the film to the to the uh, to, to directors and actors. And uh, she's smoking a cigarette at dinner, which I've heard that you can still do uh, in Europe. I hope it's true when I get to go there someday because I have a deal worked out that if we go to a place where you can smoke indoors or at least on the patio, I'm going to do that. <laughs> um, but, you know, he's out on his date. Uh, Brendan Gleeson actually gets a call from uh, from uh, Ray Fiennes, uh, Harry. Yeah. Um, so we, we get most of the date, I think. I think we get the entirety of the date before we cut uh, yeah. to the phone call, thankfully, because they're both substantial scenes the phone call in particular is a scene it's great <laughs> it's great but the the date um the only real things of significance that occur here is a uh, uh man uh she has a way about her that i i don't know what it is like maybe maybe we have some sort of 
understanding or something but this character archetype pops up so many times in so many of the movies we we talk about where it's she just has this way about her that it, it's difficult for me to explain but it's like this this is a woman that's probably not good for anyone to be around <laughs> and yet something about her is still alluring um because yeah like you said like they they do kind of the the hitman trope thing of him speaking the truth and playing it off as a joke uh only difference is she does that but like she's not playing it off as a joke she's like he's he jokes to her like he says it in a joking tone that oh i shoot priests and children she's like oh well i sell cocaine and heroin Mm. (laughs) i'm not joking by the way (laughs) yeah she's up to no good all the time she's not a good person um although he thinks she is i mean it helps when you're pretty but um no she's a bad person (laughs) Um, but yeah she's blowing smoke um in in a general direction and uh i noticed right away when we panned across the the restaurant patrons i noticed this actor so mm-hmm. i knew he was going to do something because he sticks out like a sore thumb is he caudell from hannibal Caldwell? Uh, i can't remember that guy's face but um this is a uh, this is an actor that he pops up in many many places because he has a particular look to him mm-hmm. and a particular delivery that's just kind of like annoying and unnerving he has a, he has a strange delivery but uh, the actor's name is uh, zelko ivanik um I didn't know his name. I had to look it up. But uh, he plays the Canadian man. <laughs> and she uh, goes off to powder her nose, perhaps literally. And uh, he uh, he throws a little bit of a hissy fit, uh, bitching about somebody having uh, blown smoke in his face in his general direction. And uh, the way he phrases it is fucking unbelievable. Fucking you know? unbelievable. He's Canadian, we find out, but it's a real... So I was watching this with Steph, and she's like, man, like... He's kind of a like, kind of an asshole. Like Colin Farrell's being kind of a dick to him. I'm like, I'm like, well, let's let's take a step back here for a second. Like, uh, let's think about what kind of uh, what kind of Americans are coming to Bruges this time of year. I mean, it's probably pretty expensive. Uh, we have rich white r- rich white Americans coming to uh, to Bruges right now. So I can believe this guy being a complete dickhead. And I don't think Colin Farrell's out of line here. It was pretty rude. No, and it also plays into the theme that I mentioned earlier, that you do something, you if you, you if you slap someone, you need to get slapped in return. And doing that, scoffing and saying, fucking unbelievable, Colin Farrell pauses for a second. He gives it a long pause, like a good five-second pause. And you can see his face. He's like, no, nope, no, nope, <laughs> He nope, tries nope, so hard. No, no, no. You can see the one eye, like, involuntarily twitching, and he's like, nope, got to do it. Gotta do it. <laughs> what's what's fucking unbelievable <laughs> um, and uh, he confronts him verbally about it and the guy's like well you know it wasn't cool that that lady was blowing smoke in my in my face and uh this is where things go totally off the rails where um i he says something along the lines of like i i, I came here expecting to have a good time i didn't expect to get smoke blow in my face and colin farrell's like what about the fucking vietnamese <laughs> like, <laughs> the transition <laughs> yeah it's like whoa okay what uh, yeah, so two rules about uh, if you don't like being punched in the face, there's here's a rule for being in the public. Just shut up. Just yeah, don't yeah. don't say things. Um, also, if you're on a public public transportation, just shut up in general. Just no one needs to hear you talk on the bus. I mean, I I think it, it was a I think it was a Scottish film, not a Irish film, but uh, the big the big man. Mm. Um, there, there was a, a certain aspect to the culture in that film. It took place in a small town, I believe, in, in Scotland, not Ireland. 
and uh the escalation from oh you're gonna say something to i'm gonna smack you in the face was it was like on a hair trigger like, yeah. it's a very fine line and i wouldn't be surprised if you know certain certain like more rural areas of europe yes. maybe maybe operate by that logic rural areas in general we'll just say yeah. that just yeah yeah if you've got more yeah. than one dude kind of looking over their shoulder at you maybe leave the bar uh think <laughs> it's your bar i don't think you're supposed to be in that bar <laughs> Yeah, I mean, if you ever seen uh, American Werewolf in London, um, <laughs> maybe don't talk about werewolves in uh, that pub. If you have more than two guys, more than two guys make eye contact with you more than once, just go ahead and pay the tab. Go ahead and go. Yeah, they don't if work. anyone cups their hand over over their mouth and whispers to someone, yeah, get out. <laughs> now. You see blinking eyes and a look away, not... Someone just staring right at you. Like, Shit, we're in the wrong door. And uh, yeah, if anybody gives you an aggressive point, I'm not talking like a, a politician's thumb point. I'm talking like an index finger point. Get out. The point I'm trying to make here is if you're not an MMA fighter or you're not, um, or if you're not handy in a knife fight, just shut up in public. And this yeah. guy learns that lesson. Yeah, and uh, Brendan Gleeson reinforces it later. Yeah. Like he he cautions the the little person later. Like, hey, uh, you're fine being in American Europe. Just uh shut it shut it <laughs> <laughs> just, just watch what you say and you'll just be fine watch what you say. <laughs> um but yeah long story short uh there's an exchange of words that don't make a whole lot of sense <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and uh colin farrell uh escalates things uh, probably just out of frustration where it's like yeah. you know i don't even know what i was talking about anymore but this is one way to end the situation so he just smacks this fella mm-hmm. uh, and then the wife we just see a disembodied arm swing a wine bottle <laughs> <and> Colin <laughs> Farrell's face. A bottle. and yeah he, he just he muhammad ali's out of the way he's he weaves out of the way and he just yells a bottle <laughs> and he smacks her in the face yeah, yeah uh, it, and then yeah i was gonna say yeah and then his uh uh, Chloe comes back, and the next scene is, I don't hit women. I don't do that. <laughs> That's the main thing. Yeah, uh, they get outside the restaurant. I don't hit women. I don't do that. And uh, she... She had a bottle. She, Yeah, I think she kisses him to show them up. Yeah, she, he's just like, I'm not going to ruin the whole night, me me hitting her. And she's like, no, no, just we're going to meet up. We're going to meet in a few minutes. I have to go make a call. She gives him a kiss to ensure him. Yeah, yes, she, now, she reassures him. But now we get to uh, to Harry's call. Yeah, Kyle, you want to handle this? Because this is like an eight-minute-long scene it's, that I, I want to say it's like a one-take also. It is a one-take, I do believe. It's it's pretty special. Uh, it's it's pretty nice. <laughs> it's um, amazing. It's like a Frasier sketch or something. You and I are big Ray Fine fans, and this is mm. one of my favorite little Ray Fine roles. Uh, he, so we don't really know it's him yet, but uh, he, he gives a... Uh, he gives him a rap on the telly. Uh, he finally gets a hold of Brendan Gleeson, and he is just as potty mouth as you think he is. But uh, Brendan Gleeson answers the phone. And he's like, "Hey, he's like, is uh, is Ray there?" And he's like, "No." Or he's like, "Yeah, he's in the toilet." He's like, "He's going pee or poo." And he's like, "What the? What does that matter?" <laughs> it's a lot of. He's having to answer a lot of questions that you don't think you'd ever have to answer, <laughs> which is pretty funny. And Steph was watching. She's like, "It's the weirdest conversation ever." I'm like, "It's a little strange," but yeah, he's just like. Ray there, and he's like, uh, yeah, he's in the bathroom. He's like, all right, tell him to leave for 30 minutes, but don't make it suspicious. <laughs> so he has to, like, go through, like, Ray's not there, so he has to, like, fake a conversation, shut the door, and he's like, okay, he's going. He's like, are you fucking sure? Like, are you sure he's not standing outside the door? So he has to fake go check outside the door. 
And he has this whole conversation. He's like, so how's he how's he doing? He's like, well, I like it here. He's not too crazy about it. He's like, why the fuck wouldn't you like it there? Like, it's it's beautiful there. I think it's one of the most beautiful places ever. Is like, I'm, I'm sorry. He didn't like it at first, but he's really starting to like it now. And you can see, like, he's kind of gullible. Like, he, he totally believes him, like, backtracking on that. He's like, oh, that's good. Good. I'm glad he likes it. Uh, it's really funny. Um, but he convinces him that Ray really is enjoying his time in Bruges, which he's not. And yeah. um, we find out that, and it's it's telegraphed really well. Like like it's he'd sent him there. He sent them to Bruges because he went there when he was seven. He thought it was beautiful. He thought it was like being in a like a fairy tale, and he wanted uh, Ray to be there and at least see something pretty before he gets killed. And it's pretty it's pretty heavy the way he kind of drops it on him. He's like, "Are you being fucking thick now? Like you know exactly what I'm talking about. You have to kill him." So it's. It's such a good, like, it's so, it's so, it's such an odd scene, but it's really funny and it's just really heavy at the same time. Yeah, it's a beautifully constructed scene, top to bottom, uh, because the entirety of it, like I said, I want to say it's a one take. It's very long. Yeah. And uh, it's all just Brendan Gleason pacing around the hotel room on the phone. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we get both ends of the conversation, but it's just Brendan Gleason on camera carrying a phone around. Um, but th- oh my god the subtleties of it are what make it hilarious mm-hmm. is because like Kyle was actually paraphrasing it goes on even it's longer long. than that yeah. because most of the steps that you said get repeated at least yeah. twice <laughs> because the the like one of the first punchlines of which there are many is that uh Brendan Gleeson has an imaginary conversation with Ray mm-hmm. like he he's like knocks on the door and he's like oh go take a take a walk around the block for 30 minutes go down to the pub and want oh, to eat bowling he, alley yeah, and go the go see if you can find a bowling alley or something. And so he's he's saying all of this with the phone pressed to his chest, and he like he actually does the blocking. Like he walks over the door, he opens it, he shuts it to make the noise. But the first punchline is that he picks up the phone back to his ear, and Harry on the other end is like, "Well, what did you say to him?" He didn't hear so any he, of it. <laughs> he didn't hear any of it. <laughs> so, so he so he he verbalizes every he repeats everything every step he just did again. No. It's so bad, but uh, the, the like one of the second punchlines is when uh, uh, Ken casually mentions that Ray's not having the best of times out there, oh, yeah. and there's this pause, yeah. and you just hear Harry say, "What?" what? <laughs> <laughs> it's just what? <laughs> it's like oh, fuck when it's a, a good time. It's a, it's a very confrontational. It's a very confrontational. Very just like what? (laughs) What do you mean he's not having a good time? I remember this being such a confusing, like, it was just so strange when I was watching it the first time. I'm like, why is he so upset about this? Like, I don't know why he's taking it so hard, but then you find out why he sent him there. Yeah, and we also get, like, some hints at some of the other thematic content in the story about uh, Ken repeats the line a few times in the scene about uh, it's like being in a dream, Mm -hmm. like being in Bruges. Um, but I really love that when the the conversation does take a turn for the for the dark, um, is it's so casual and it's so subtle. It it you have to be paying attention um, because there's like no music sting or anything. It's just Brendan Gleeson's face changes um, because Harry refers to Ray in the past tense, mm-hmm. like he was a good kid. He was a good kid, and it's like oh like immediately like if you're paying attention and uh just if you're looking at brendan gleason's face you can see it that's like oh the tone has shifted here mm-hmm. um so yeah uh, harry's giving instructions to ken um where he can find a weapon tomorrow morning uh, to kill ray um and you can tell that 
Ken's not thrilled about this. No. <laughs> um, but I think here is where we, we cut back to the conclusion of the date. Yes, the conclusion of the date is pretty fun. So, yeah, they're getting, uh, Chloe and uh, Ray are getting hot and heavy. And uh, then a gun just gets put on the back of his head. And uh, this guy's like, you're sleeping with my girlfriend? I'm like, oh, great. Why wouldn't this happen? And she's kind of horrified, too. Like, she's like, oh, shit. Like, I didn't I didn't think of this. Um, this guy's like, yeah, you're, you're, you know, banging my girlfriend. And uh, somehow... Ray gets the drop on him and gets the gun from him. And uh, he's like, this is fucking bullshit. And he's like, she's like, Ray, it's not going to do anything. There's only blanks in the gun. And the guy pulls out a knife. Uh, <laughs> to which Colin Farrell waits till he gets close and then just shoots him in the eye <laughs> with a blank. <laughs> which is pretty funny. Um, and he blinds the dude. Like, the dude's like, I can't see. He's like, yeah, I just shut you in the fucking eye with a blank. <laughs> you can't see. <laughs> he's pretty, I mean... Pretty good move. I thought it was pretty. Fun. I thought the scene was pretty funny. I'm not doing it justice. It's it's pretty funny though. No, it it's pretty funny, and like Colin Farrell has so many subtleties in his performance that it's impossible to list it all. But um, yeah. A long story short, the guy is like rolling around on the floor, uh, crying about his eye and how he needs to go to the hospital. <laughs> and uh, Chloe explains that um, that's his that's her ex boyfriend, and they used to rob tourists. Yes. Uh, so hearing that, Colin Farrell jumps to the assumption that it's like, oh, this was all a ploy to get me in here so he could rob me, and you do this a lot. Um, but she's like, no, no, it's not that. And uh, she again reassures him by telling, like, she just like gets up in his face uh, because he says, like, how could I, how could I expect someone like you to be interested in someone like me? And mm-hmm. she's like, what do you mean, someone like me? And, and his reply is, someone good. And her face lights up a little. It's like she's not good. Not she's good. actually really. She's a shit person. <laughs> like she, she is going to prison. Yeah. <laughs> like peddling like, heroin is generally not a good characteristic. Yeah, selling ketamine uh, <laughs> to little people, <laughs> as she would say. But um, she gets up in his face and says, "Call me." I was just saying, like, please. Uh, I don't think she's playing you, dude. Like you were way better looking than her boyfriend. No. I mean, even if she was playing you, I think she's going to go ahead and uh, get the shtup and then and then rob you. <laughs> I'm just yeah, saying. Yeah, I mean, really. I mean, if you're going to put forth the effort, you may as well, re- you know, get it that far along and then cut things off. Enjoy the fruits of your labor. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, then he uh, he's just kind of distraught and he ends up uh, knocking over a little turtle head and he's like, ooh, pills and, uh, pills and powders. And he finds some drugs. Uh, and this... Then we get to kind of a fun scene where we see Brendan Gleeson. Now, I don't know if you know this or not, Trevor. I'm really excited to go to, to Belgium someday. Um, we're in the part of Europe where beer is delicious. Um, this is a great place to get beer. And I can tell you just by looking at it that this beer is probably about 8% alcohol. So to see this guy, who I don't really think likes to drink that much, pounding this crazy strong beer, I could just tell him, like, oh, he's, he's getting pissed now. And I do like him ordering. What's what does he call? Colin Farrell comes in and goes, "Let me get a gay beer." I don't. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's a that's a callback to a joke he made earlier um, when they're first at the bar. Uh, he's he's excited to have beer finally. Oh, my friend's um, got so, gay beer. Yeah. yeah, and he's like, "I have one gay beer for my friend and one normal beer for me because I'm normal." <laughs> it's like I don't really know what you mean. I see a wedding ring on his finger, and he does mention later that he had a wife. Yeah, uh, pretty sure he's pretty sure he's not gay, but I guess that kind of beer 
in the eyes of maybe a masculine Irishman, is considered gay. <laughs> uh, I don't get to drink again for a couple of weeks. Um, I haven't had I haven't had alcohol in several months now. But all I can think about is like the big twenty ounce British pint, just with the bubbles coming up the bottom. So watching this movie uh, before I get to drink, I was just like, oh, those beers look so good. <laughs> I'm so excited to get one. Well, yeah, Brendan Gleeson is pounding them mm-hmm. in the scene, and uh, funny enough, uh, the little person from earlier, uh, <gasps> he arrives on the scene with a prostitute. We forgot to mention the day of the date. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so uh, when he was leaving, after he got uh, Chloe's number, he sees the, the little person sitting down, he just like goes by and gives him like a high five or something, and the little guy just kind of laughs at him. Yeah, he gives him like a thumbs up. Yeah. And uh, and then he sees him the next. He sees the little person walking, and uh, he kind of like perks up. Colin Farrell does, and he like waves at him, really stupid, like just really funny. And the little the, the LP just kind of looks at him and just kind of keeps walking. He's like, "That little fucker, like, <laughs> <laughs> fucking cunt." Yeah. I had this happen with me. Had this happen with the guy I was in class with. We had this kind of funny guy in class, and uh, uh, I, I passed him like on the sidewalk one day. And uh, it was kind of fast, but like I was like, oh, hey, and just kind of give like a heads up. And he just walked right past me. He had on sunglasses. I'm like, a fucking asshole. And then uh, he was talking in class like the following week. And he's like, well, you know, I was a blind person. I'm like, oh, dude, I didn't know he was blind. Uh, and then I, I found out he got one day he came into class and he said he just got hit by a car crossing the crosswalk. And he says, no, nah, it happens all the time. <laughs> it was all the time. But I told him the story. I told him about it. I'm like, dude, I thought you were, like, I, I said hi to you the other day and uh, I didn't realize you were blind. I just thought you were an asshole. And he, he was like, no, dude, so I would have said hi if I would have known, but I just couldn't see you. But I understand what he's going through. It hurts. <laughs> <laughs> Brings to mind, um, what was it, George W. Bush waving at Stevie Wonder? Oh, <laughs> And, uh, also, um, the Pope of Greenwich Village, the classic scene, wherein Mickey Rourke walks past somebody who's like, hey, how you doing? And drop of a hat, like the moment they pass, like the moment, like the, the window has crossed, you you cannot, you cannot go back. <laughs> um, the guy whips around and says, hey, fuck you! <laughs> just from, hey, how you doing, to, hey, fuck you, just the within the millisecond they pass each other. Jeez. You have... I mean, it's that's why we use the phrase uh, "you have five seconds to impress me" around certain people. <laughs> it's like once once that threshold is crossed, that's it. You're on the shit that list is forever. It. Um, but yeah, the little person it needs to be said. He does pop up many times in this film. It's it's he's a recurring character that just kind of like walks in and out of the scene. Um, but yeah, we we job. did forget to mention that that he did wave at him, and he was very disappointed because it comes <laughs> up in this next scene. Yeah, yeah, because it comes up here, but. Um, yeah, Brendan Gleeson is drowning his sorrows at the beer, and uh, he and the little guy they have a they have a exchange here. It starts out really mm, not exactly cordial, but then they come around to each other. Where I think the I think the the little person like realizes that it's like, oh, he's he's actually genuine, being yeah. yeah, he's actually being genuine. He's not just like pandering to me or like talking to me like I'm a novelty or something. He's just talking to a person at the bar. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, by the way, the character's name is Jimmy. It might be easier to say Jimmy because yeah. that's a fun name. Also, he reminds me of Matt Damon. <laughs> Something about his delivery and like his brow ridge reminds me of Matt Damon. Yeah, I guess he's a Matt Damon. Yeah, but uh, Jimmy has a prostitute, um, and uh, he goes to goes to make out with her on the couch, and then Ray shows up a little bit later. 
And uh, he's all excited because uh, he got a whole bunch of drugs from mm-hmm. his uh, lady that he made out with, didn't have sex with, and is nowhere near close to being girlfriend with. Uh, he just casually stole some drugs from her. <laughs> this is a, yeah, I've had a... It's like I've had a gram of co- I've found five grams of cocaine. I now have four grams of cocaine. I punched a guy out uh, at dinner and his girl, and then I got a gun pulled on me when I was about to have sex. But the cocaine's really leveling it all out. So, <laughs> I like and I can't can actually ask for some. Like, Let me get a gram. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty great because you can tell he's just like in no mood. He's like, I don't care. Like any anything to get me out of my headspace right now. Um, but yeah, this is where we have the callback to the the wave that was not reciprocated. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, Ray walks up to Jimmy and starts poking him in the head while he's making out with the prostitute. Yeah, not, not a classy move. Um, no, and he's just like standing over them, <laughs> staring intensely. Just yeah, and he tells him, "I was like, sorry, dude, I didn't mean to blow you off, but I was on a horse tranquilizer." Uh, and they end up, he ends up like. They talk for a second, like, do you want some cocaine? Like, and they end up just hanging out. But I kind of like how Brendan Gleeson shuffles over his shoulder. That that was one of the other laugh out loud yeah. moments. Where he just slides he just over. Slides <laughs> and his eyes are Because yeah. <laughs> Brendan Gleeson never bugs his eyes out like that. But you can tell he's altered. And he just, like, slides over his shoulder. Yeah, it's so funny. They all just kind of hang out and do some drugs. Um, the... Uh, Jimmy ends up saying something about race wars in America or something like that. It's just a very strange little scene, but the gist is is they're all just kind of hanging out doing drugs together. Yeah. All drown um, their sorrows. Yeah, uh, talk of race war, and then the scene concludes with uh, our hitmen deciding this this is getting stupid, mm-hmm. uh, we should head out, and uh, <laughs> Ray karate chops Jimmy on the <laughs> neck. <laughs> and then they leave. Um, but uh, one scene that is very important that we we skipped over. Um, it happens around the time, like I think, right after we see the flashback with Kieran Hines being shot, and the child and whatnot, um, is the uh, the art gallery. It's actually one, maybe one of the most important scenes in the whole movie uh, because it it firmly firmly establishes the theme of purgatory mm. and limbo, which mm-hmm. is what Bruges is symbolic of. Yeah. Um, because this, this is the state of being that Ray is inhabiting right now. And in fact, you could argue that a lot of the characters in this film are currently in is limbo or purgatory. But it's just a short scene with very little dialogue. They tour an art gallery, the two hitmen, and they look at a series of paintings, uh, many of which have to do with heaven, hell, and purgatory. <clears throat> and uh, they just fixate on one of them that Ray happens to like. And they actually explicitly talk about the concept of purgatory and what it means to be stuck in there. Mm-hmm. And it's it's the movie winking at you, where it's like planting the seed that's like, please carry this information with you throughout the rest of the film. We know we're being heavy-handed right now, so don't condemn us for it. Yeah. This is intentional. And it's hilarious because uh, the conversation ends with them both like staring at this painting, and Ray's like, how about you, Ken? Do you... Do, do you put any stock in this concept of like afterlife and heaven hell and he just keeps talking and talking and brendan gleason just like um uh uh and then the scene is he doesn't he doesn't even answer he's just like uh hmm. and that what really makes the conclusion of that scene even funnier and more depthful is that i think right after that is when we really talk about what what 
what Ray is so fixated on, mm-hmm. like this, why he's latched onto this concept, is because he's seeing, he's understanding this is where he's at, and that's where they talk about, that's where they like commiserate about having accidentally killed people and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just wanted to draw attention to that because it really is like the movie's coming, like coming to a stop and just saying, "This is what the fucking movie's about." <laughs> there, have you been enjoying the film so far? Me too. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, actually, like, if this movie came out today and it was about, like, a political scandal or something, I'm sure that's what they would do because that seems to be a, a trend in some of these ripped-from-the-headlines movies as mm-hmm. of late. Like, um, what was it, The Big Short or whatever, where they just stop the movie to, like, give you some edutainment? <laughs> I was saying, Wolf of Wall Street's definitely guilty of it. Wolf of Wall Street had that. I just watched Bombshell the other day. They do that there, too, where they have a lot of fourth-wall breaks to pause the movie and just, like, make a joke or well, something when you start getting like wolf of wall street we needed it because we don't know anything about quaaludes and we don't know anything about you know st- uh, stock exchange so well that's how that all happened is that nobody yeah knows nobody knows about it. It. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. that's how they got you yeah but like i said like if they followed the trends of today i, I wouldn't be surprised at all if they did something like that it's like so let me tell you about purgatory, purgatory. <laughs> <laughs> uh but um yeah uh we all finish up our night with uh, Jimmy and I think in the morning is uh, when Ken goes out to pick up his gun from a fellow named Yuri, Yuri, who is a very strange gentleman that is perpetually just existing in a bathrobe like, it's yeah, like a silken robe no windows, guns everywhere yeah and uh, not the best command of the English language mm-hmm. um, <laughs> but he does have fun with it he likes the word alcoves uh, you didn't he think a guy named Yuri would speak English very well <laughs> <laughs> sounds pretty Eastern European to me oh a barkening um, but yeah uh, Ken is now armed and uh, he has a silenced pistol with him and uh, when he heads back to the hotel um, the the co-owner not the receptionist uh, Marie who's a pregnant woman who I just want to I just want to throw it out there that I recognize this woman and it was really pissing me off because I was like, I know her face, but I don't know where from. And then I looked her up. She was in Highlander, the source, which is a terrible movie. Well, you said Highlander, so I had a, well, I had a sneaking suspicion. Well, one of those movies is good. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, by the way, even then, <laughs> the, the one guy in the in the restaurant was uh, Caudel from uh, Hannibal. Okay, okay, yeah, yeah. I, I trusted you on that. I just couldn't remember the face. Um, but yeah, her name is Thekla Ruten. I'm probably butchering that, but she's Dutch. But I I knew her face, and I I assumed she was more famous than she was actually. Um, but yeah, she was in Highlander: The Source, like right. The year before this came out, which is terrible. What was her um, name? Uh, Marie is the character's name. Um, but again, uh, the the theme of like being kind of in limbo actually, if you stretch it a little bit, kind of extends to her as well, where it's like she's pregnant, which means she's in an in between state mm-hmm. of carrying a life but not having birthed it yet. And not only that, her husband is curiously absent for the entirety of the film. Yeah, he is. Like, other than other than the fact that she's pregnant and she mentions him in writing, he's never he doesn't occupy a physical presence in the film. Hmm. Uh, so she's also, you know, waiting. Like, she's waiting for his return, waiting for the birth of the child. She's also in, in between state. And I'm sure, if, I'm sure if we put our heads together, we could think of more examples of that. But I just wanted to draw attention to that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, 
when uh, Ken returns to the hotel, she tells him about a puzzling episode wherein uh, Ray gave her 200 euros and said it's for your child and then just like took off in a huff and ken's like oh that doesn't sound that healthy doesn't sound good. <laughs> um, and uh ray is like camped out at a park just sitting on a bench with a bunch of kids around that's probably not good for him and his you know not so great headspace Psyche, right now yeah. yeah you know being around kids playing happy children who don't have holes in their foreheads <laughs> um, uh and Ken sneaks up on him from behind, which is saying quite a bit, because Brendan Gleeson, that, that's like that's like a moose sneaking yeah. up on you. <laughs> <laughs> but he manages it somehow. Uh, and then he, he's taking aim at Ray just as Ray pulls the pistol, which is now loaded with live ammunition, by the mm-hmm. way. It's a revolver that he took from Chloe's ex-boyfriend. Uh, he puts it to his temple, and instead of shooting him, Ken calls out and says, Hey, cut that shit. Yeah. <laughs> I do like this scene. Uh, he's he's like, what the, where the fuck did you come from? He's like, you got a gun? And he just kind of puts it behind his back. No. He's <laughs> like, yeah, you do. And he's like, you were going to kill me. He's like, no, I wasn't. He's like, i thinking you were. Uh, but they have a sit down with each other. And he tells him, like, yeah, that's why Harry sent us out here. He, I'm supposed to kill you, basically. And I like call him. I was like, can I see the gun? And he just kind of looks at it. He's like... <laughs> kind of cool he's like i just got got this girl gun and i looked at a gun i'm like it's really not it's actually it's like it's like a nickel plated revolver it'll, it'll kill you oh, it'll, kill you. <laughs> <laughs> it'll do what you want it to do yeah. uh, but you can tell like brendan gleason here he's just like let me let me see your gun and he just like takes it from him which is pretty funny also like i'd be feeling pretty suicidal at this point like he's been had two days of drinking uh, coming down from coke Probably not in a good headspace, and now like the anxiety is really kicking in. This was the best time for him to shoot himself. So, but Brendan... well, and not only that, again, extending the theme even further, he had a start and stop with that gal. Mm-hmm. Like he didn't, he didn't stoop. Yeah, like, that... he, didn't, he, he didn't reach completion or whatever. I don't think that would have really helped him too much, but it would have gotten no, a little bit further. absolutely not. But, but yeah. you know, maybe it would have led to him waking up with somebody and you know being in a better headspace yeah. but i did like that when ken takes the revolver from him he's like can i see that and then he just like puts it in his coat <laughs> he just casually he's like you're not getting that back well, he tries to get it and i'm like you can see brendan gleason's bear claws just on his knee i'm like you're not getting that gun back dude <laughs> it's just funny he's just like yeah can i see that he puts his fist yeah. up too like he's gonna <laughs> like you don't want he's gonna knock you out uh, bop you one but I, I did like that when Brendan Gleeson steps out of cover and uh, Ray's yelling at him like like where the fuck did you come from and yeah. he's like I was behind the thing <laughs> it's like that's just a terrible explanation I was behind the thing I was behind the thing I know that the thing goes in the thing uh, yeah but um, he's like well, well here's what's gonna happen like we're just gonna put you on a train he's like well go back to, to go back to England he's like fuck no like why, why would you go back there that's a dumb idea it's like, just go anywhere else and just go start a new life. Do something good. And they gets him on a train, and it, it's a nice little scene. Like, he's, you know, yeah. giving him a chance. And then uh, Brendan Gleeson uh, gives Harry a call and tells him, like, listen, I'm not going to kill him, and I know what that means, and I'm here in Bruges, and if you want to come take care of it, I'm here. And, uh, yeah, and then we get to we get to finally get our on-screen Rafe finds. <laughs> Yes, uh, it's kind of amazing. The edit is priceless, yeah. where Brendan Gleeson slams the phone down, and then we cut immediately to the other end of the phone, where Ray Fiennes is on the phone, and he's not happy, and he just 
destroys his <laughs> his home phone, his office phone. Yeah, he he destroys the phone, and I love that his uh, his wife, kids, and uh, apparently they have like a homestay like, Japanese lady, Japanese yeah. exchange student, or like a a maid or somebody. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they're all a like, nan- we'll say nanny. I think it's nanny. Nanny. They seem they've got and, uh, nanny money. They look like they're pretty well off. They have a lovely country yeah. home. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds about right. But they're all like gathered in the in like the living room, and there's like Christmas ornaments and like a tree set up and everything. And he is just bashing the fuck out of this yeah. phone. He he destroys it. He obliterates it, and then he picks it up to try to do more. <laughs> and then the, the wife steps in, and she's like, "It's an inanimate object." And he shouts at her, "You're an inanimate fucking object!" <laughs> I love his apology. He's like, "I'm sorry, I called you an ina- inanimate object. I was well, angry." That calls back to the theme of you pay a price. And he carries it as to the extreme that you can take it. Like his character embodies this this thesis, like in its entirety. And yeah, the the, immediately the first time we see him, the first scene he has, he does something wrong, and he apologizes for it properly. He, I do like his wife has the the. He's like, daddy has to go to Bruges. She's like the fuck is Bruges? <laughs> He's like, in Belgium. <laughs> it's, it's so funny. She doesn't even know where it's at. Um, I don't know if, if Bruges is like the laughing stop, laughing stock of uh, European countries to visit, but I, I got a chuckle out of it. <laughs> yeah, I, I have no idea, but I have to imagine being as it's probably a very small town and it was built in 1100. It's probably a place that you put it down on your list of like places to visit in Europe. But it's probably one of the last places you check I was out. Say, you get too drunk in Amsterdam and never make it. Yeah, and yeah. more than likely you go there for like a weekend and that's it. Like you're never going back. It's, like, it's, it's probably just a pit stop. We can know? sleep. We can sleep in and just to keep the hotel for another night. <laughs> Yo, just have like <laughs> like bacon and eggs, or we can go to Bruges. And like, let's just get the hotel another night. I'm not getting up. <laughs> Sorry, folks. I'm not gonna make I'm it. Not gonna make it. I'm not gonna make it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, he uh, he declares this a uh, a matter of honor, mm-hmm. um, which is very fitting, being as that's what we know about him is that like, God damn it, it has to be because it will be. <laughs> and uh, yeah, he sets off, and he I believe he arrives in Bruges pretty swiftly. But in the meantime, we get an episode on the train where. Uh, Ray is watching the countryside go by, and the train comes to a stop. And then uh, an officer approaches him, and uh, he gives a uh, a Peter Griffin uh, <laughs> fake name, <laughs> P Tor Griffin. <laughs> it's like, oh fuck! <laughs> it's like, uh, hello, my name is Mister Burns. <laughs> What's your first name? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, he gives the worst fake name imaginable, and. Uh, the officer rightly identifies him as the Irishman, because uh, there can't be that many of them in Bruges at one time. Yeah. Um, and uh, he he says, "You you eat the you eat the Canadian, Canadian. <laughs> you hit the Canadian." Yeah. And uh, as it so happens, the couple that he uh, beat up on his date, uh, they are on the same train, and they get him arrested. So he goes right on back to Bruges, unbeknownst uh, to all the other players in the story. Um, and in the meantime, uh, so Ray finds it's just like he's like Terminator walking yeah. through Bruges. Like his his uh his body language it reminded me of uh, actually his own performance in uh, Red Dragon. Mm. Um, after he's consumed the painting, when he Ray's walks out of that confident. building, yeah. 
his shoulders are wide and he's got his fist bald and he just has this confident look on his face i don't want to know what them and shit looked like after that i'm <laughs> <laughs> consuming the entire canvas that cannot be good for your insides that's illegal um, what you're doing is illegal <laughs> oh and then some uh, unethical illegal oof and, but you know he's gonna pay a price just <laughs> like he will pay he will pay the price mm-hmm. um but yeah he's just like power walking through bruges and um he stops by Yuri's place to pick up a gun, and we get a goofy episode here where uh, the blind Frenchman, uh, Chloe's ex, is present with an eye patch now, and he's all pissed off. And Ray finds has no time of day no. for him. <laughs> like, like he has no time for his his bullshit. He's like, I think that's your fault. He's like, Oh, you had, you were gonna rob a guy, and he got his gun from you, and he shot you at close range with a blank, and he blinded you. I'd say that's your fault. So. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that that's that's you know that that's one of his core tenets. Yeah. <laughs> it's like expect so shit, give coming. shit. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, he picks up a uh, picks up a pistol and some dumb dumb rounds from Yuri, which are apparently uh, they're like hollow points or something, mm-hmm. something to blow people's heads up instead of just put a hole through you. Um, but yeah, uh, in the meantime, Ken is uh, he's dressing himself up in the mirror and kind of basically just accepting his fate it's it's kind of honorable where he seems to he seems to know that he did wrong and he's he's embracing it where he's like you know i i have a long history with this hairy fella i owe him a debt um and i willfully did wrong to him by not doing what he asked me to do by Mm -hmm. letting letting the boy go as he would say uh so yeah he's best i guess he's just like dressing up in the best clothes he has and just letting himself go to death go to his doom okay. um but uh one small detail is that he puts the revolver in like the hotel uh cupboard kind of mm-hmm. or like the like the dresser but anton Chigurh would really like some people like this people that would accept their fate instead of running would have saved him a lot of trouble in uh, no country for old men oh absolutely yeah i mean if and it probably wouldn't be boring for him either he'd probably find some way to make it interesting yeah. <laughs> <Nah>. <laughs> Sick That's man. a movie I'd like to rewatch. Actually, I it's, haven't seen it in a long time. It's been on my. I keep. I just kind of watch the clips of him every once in a while. I'm like, I need to just go back through and watch it. Oof. Um. It's kind of a tangent, but I. Uh, I finally got around to watching that last Pirates of the Caribbean movie. The uh, third one or the the like last last one. The last. last. Oh God. Yeah. Yeah. I couldn't tell I you think a it's single the f- thing about that. I think it's the fifth one. Um. It's uh it's not good. No. Uh it it uh it goes into just like blockbuster shenanigans mm-hmm. in the last half. The entire last half is just like what are we doing? Yeah. Like is there a script? Like I know it's I know we're throwing special effects on the screen, but I don't think anyone knows what we're doing. No. Um he's all right in it. Uh, he gets to do some fun stuff with it, but it's not to the level of like say Bill Nighy in the earlier pirates films. Mm-hmm. Like the marriage between the special effects and the performance aren't on the same level, but it's Javier Bardem. He's always fun to watch. Um, he was mostly why I wanted to watch it, to be honest. Yeah, when you when I found out they were, they were coming out with another one, I'm like, there's there's more. We did three, guys. We we stop at three. Do we not stop at three anymore? We're not stopping at three. Okay, so I guess we're doing five now. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why, but the fourth one has been removed from Disney Plus. Yeah, I, it might it might be a rights issue, but. Uh, a few months previous, though, it was available, and the fifth one wasn't. Hmm. 
So I have no idea what, what the business end of things is, but uh, I kind of want to go back and check out the fourth one, though, because I did not realize how expensive it was. Because I th- I've only seen it once, and every thought I had about it was, this looks cheap. Yeah. And that should not be when we're talking about, like, one of, if not the most expensive film in film history. <laughs> well, I think the majority of that went to Johnny Depp. I think he well, got his, his wine school. fund, yeah. you know. <laughs> uh, no, I think they do this sometimes. They'll put, like, oh, we're going to put Blade 3 on Prime. It's just going to be included on Prime. But you're going to have to rent Blade 1 and 2. Like, gotcha. we're going to give you the shitty one and wish that you could watch the other two. And you're just like, fuck it. I want to watch the good one or something like that. I think they do that. That's strange, though, because, like, most of Disney Plus seems to be constructed on the foundation of, like, the principle that it's all here. Mm-hmm. Like, so it's kind of strange that like there'd be one of those movies missing. missing. I want to say it's a it's a rights issue or something. Like maybe there's an an external element. Like maybe Jerry Bruckheimer has some stake in the in in how things work or something. I don't know. Or they're just gonna go back and Graham Moff Tarkin, uh, Mads Mikkelsen into all of Johnny Depp's roles because apparently that's what they're they're moving forward with the Fantastic Beats with uh, Mads Mikkelsen. So which might be hang on. he might be too creepy for that movie potentially (laughs) but so hang on that character is going to be played by three different people in three different movies no it's been johnny depp wasn't it colin farrell in the first one though he's a different character are you sure i thought he turns into johnny depp i don't think so i I didn't see the movie but i read that somewhere i had red wine when i was watching it the first time i could be wrong about that (laughs) (laughs) are they doing like a, a an imaginarium of dr parnassus where it's just like you get four hot guys to play the same guy just in different no what well i mean i guess it's it's a established that the character can take on whatever form he wants but i want to say what i read was that the character was secretly johnny depp so played by colin farrell in the first film turned into johnny depp at the end of the first film was johnny depp in the second film and apparently will be mads mikkelsen in the third well that's how you get us to watch the second one we watch the first one like this is kind of fun and then you have colin farrell turn into johnny depp a creepy johnny depp like oh well that's fun we'll definitely want to watch that second one we hope it's good it's not and then then we're just like no we're not bringing it back for the third one as if that's going to make a difference (laughs) no one wants to watch the third one guys the second one sucked yeah, that's that's everything that I've heard, um, and not just from you. But um, anyway, back to in Bruges. Back to Bruges. Back to Bruges. <laughs> um, so at this point, uh, basically, we have several moving parts. Uh, we have Ray Fiennes, we have Brendan Gleeson, and we have Colin Farrell, um, who, unbeknownst to the other two, is still in Bruges. Yeah. <laughs> so Ray Fiennes obviously is trying. Basically, the other two are on a collision course with each other. Um, yeah. Little do they know. There's a, a third party that if we eliminate that, well, the other two don't have a beef with each other anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think this is where we get to the the cafe scene with uh, Gleason and Fines, correct? Yeah, I had a pretty good chuckle at this. Um, they Ray Fines sees it, uh, Brendan Gleason just sitting there, and he's just kind of like, I think he had a plan that he was just going to get the drop on both of them, or just a drop on him, and he's just sitting there waiting for him. He sits down with them. And uh, they have their exchange, but what got me, I, I started laughing, was that Brendan Gleeson, tell, like, he's like, you're you're a cunt, and you're always going to be a cunt, and all you're going to do is have some more cunt kids. He's like, leave my kids out of this. Now apologize. Like, he makes him apologize for calling his kids that. But then he tells me, he's like, listen, the boy's suicidal, 
and you know he was going to shoot himself in the head but I stopped him and he's like all right what the fuck did you just say <laughs> he's like we're just going to stop right there you were going to kill him and then he was going to kill himself something that would have solved my problem your problem and his problem and you stopped him from doing it <laughs> he's just well, let's just hold on there I could not stop laughing it's such a good like you got to be fucking kidding me and he's right like why wouldn't you let him do it yeah, uh, the the exchange here, this whole dialogue scene is wonderful. Um, I mean, it it's on the same level as the phone conversation the two of them had earlier. So apparently these two just work well together. Yeah. I'm actually curious about the logistics of how they did the phone conversation. Like if he actually was on the other end of the phone or if he was off camera speak, like reading his lines or if someone else was feeding him the lines. I feel like that um, would be bad. That, that would be reasonable. Yeah, I, I don't know how it was done, but it turned out beautifully. Um, but yeah, the, this conversation is also fairly substantial. I love the way the, the framing and the lighting are done. We get right up in Ray Fiennes' face. Mm-hmm. And man, that, that guy, just like Liam Neeson, they have beautiful bone structure for film. Yeah, Just angles, angles, those, that, that schnoz. Mm-hmm. And uh, in Ray Fiennes' case, his teeth. Yeah, He, he has, he has like, like goblin teeth. Like he, he looks menacing even when he's trying to be nice. Yeah. Like in this film he's very aggressive, so it he get he gnashes those things. It, it's crazy. You, you you watch this and he's oh, Grand Budapest. That's a that's a Christmassy movie. Um I'm thinking like his character in Grand Budapest, he's so charming and likable. Like he's just so nice. And this he's fucking menacing. Yeah, he's not a nice person. Yeah, and everything about his performance is like he's he's driven. Like he kind of is like an English Terminator, yeah. honestly. Like like he's the hand of fate. Like in like in a in a play or something, that's what he would be. He'd mm-hmm. almost be like the Deus Ex Machina, where he's he's the thing that needs to get. He's the external element that needs to get called in to wrap this shit up mm-hmm. because we wrote ourselves into a corner and everybody's got to die now <laughs> you see what you made me do you see what see what zeus has to do now he's got to shove a lightning bolt up your ass um but yeah the way it's lit like we got a lot of eye light on ray fines and he, he's weirdly sweaty he's a very intense man <laughs> in this scene in particular but the conflict between the two of them it's kind of like an unstoppable force and an immovable object where like harry is just like trying to tear into ken and ken's just like you know whatever like i know i did wrong can we just get to it like can can we just fucking finish this and eventually they'd run out of steam and it's decided that it's like well you know why don't we go up that tower and you can (laughs) shoot me in the fucking head like i'm tired of listening to you 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 fucking cunt (laughs) airy the thing is you're a fucking cunt (laughs) and the only thing that's going to happen so you're going to become an even bigger cunt. An even bigger cunt. <laughs> but, yeah, they go up the tower and we get a funny little bit of comedy here where um, the same fucking guard that, that uh, made Brendan Gleeson pay the, tol- the full price to go up the tower, he's now saying, this is a callback joke, a really funny one, too. Uh, he's saying, like, the tower's closed. Uh, we're closing early because a fat American had a heart attack going up <laughs> going the tower. Up. <laughs> So, yeah. you know, it's a callback gag, but um, I love that Brendan Gleeson just walks past him when uh, when Ray Fine starts talking to the guy about the price and uh, and about not being able to go up the tower. And he just walks past and he has a smile on his face because he knows Harry like he and Harry like it's alluded to um, it's alluded to in the cocaine scene with Jimmy, the little person that uh, Brendan Gleeson's wife was black and was killed in 1976, I think is the year he gives 
Um, and he says some friends took care of it for me. Mm. So it, I have to assume that Harry and probably. his organization probably got vengeance for him, which is why he owes him this debt and why he continually works for him. Mm. Um, so they have a lot of history. That's decades of history. And so when he walks past this exchange and with a smile on his face, it's because he knows Harry so well. He's like, yeah, that, that guy's going to get his ass whipped. Yeah. <laughs> and sure enough, yeah, uh, Harry just bludgeons him. He, like, pistol whips him onto the ground, mm. basically. <laughs> yeah, not a good way to go. Uh, no. Probably not dead, but certainly Once concussed. Yeah. And, and uh, unprettied, uh, to say the least. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, they go up the tower, and we have a funny exchange here where um, Harry wants to fight. Like he's like, I want you to. He, it's almost like a like a western. Like he's like he wants to have like a a drawing contest or something, mm-hmm. like a quick draw contest. And Ken's just like, no, just fucking shoot me. I've been telling you for like a half an hour, shoot me. Because he's like guilty about doing it now. He's just like kind of like he's kind of yeah. got like a conscience about it. He's like, well, shit, I don't really want to shoot you. Like that's not what I wanted to do. Well, as he said before he left for Bruges, like it's a matter of honor, and shooting an unarmed man is not honorable. Yeah. <laughs> so he's like trying to figure it out verbally, like he's verbalizing all of his thoughts. But uh, he does end up shooting him in the leg. But mm. I forget exactly how it goes down. But um, on the side, uh, again, unbeknownst to these two characters, uh, Chloe has sprung uh, Ray from jail, mm-hmm. um, and they're you know elated to see each other again they they're they're pretty sweet at this point like they're they look like a couple almost yeah um and they meet up at the cafe below the tower and they're smooching stuff and again i forget i forget the flow of the scenes here but at some point uh jimmy comes along and he also has an exchange with them he invites them to the film set later that evening uh, he's dressed up like a schoolboy, by the way oh, he yeah. looks like he looks like the headliner of acdc or something but with a hat (laughs) um and uh you know they make fun of him for his outfit and whatnot and he but he's like you know you guys you guys are all right (laughs) she say that it's like yeah it's actually going to be like a really classy picture it's going to be like a really like a little classic film that they're going to do in bruges and i'm like are you sure about that if we're dressing up an lp in uh in a schoolboy uniform unless he's a stuntman but i don't think no they, they, they say it's for a a dream sequence, oh, okay. which is also another theme. Um, the The word dream is used many times throughout the film. Um, Harry constantly uses this phrase that like being in Bruges is like mm-hmm. being in a dream. And uh, Ken reiterates it. And yeah, uh, Jimmy is here to act in a dream sequence, which, you know, it's kind of a, uh, it's like a trope of arty farty films to have like a little person just like wander under. I mean, fucking Happy Gilmore did that. Yeah, I was gonna say music videos <laughs> had the, the guy 90s. on the had the guy on the tricycle yeah. in the cowboy outfit. <laughs> I don't know what that was all about. I thought it was supposed to be Shooter McGavin. I thought it was supposed to be Michael McDonald as a. Is it Michael McDonald? Uh, Chris. I want Chris to McDonald. Say. Michael McDonald's from Mad TV. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, so I always thought it was supposed to be Shooter McGavin just made miniature, but no, no, it, it was. Well, not when as you said uh, um, Zeus, I'm gonna put a lightning bolt up your ass. I thought ever since I was a kid, he said a lightning bulb, but I remember a uh, light, like light bulb. I'm gonna put a light bulb up your ass. I'm like, oh, that doesn't sound good. I'm like that's gonna bust right in there. Like that's gonna ooh, be very yeah, painful. No, I mean, ooh, that that's that's something that needs to be in a movie. I saw like, the sign, motherfucker. 
I mean, I've seen Man on Fire. I've seen what things and butts can do. Um, a light bulb is new, though. I would say John McClane deserved a light bulb up his ass. Uh, <laughs> Without the context of why he was doing it. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I, again, I forget exactly how the scenes flow together here. But um, uh, the boyfriend, the ex-boyfriend... Uh, he also wanders onto the scene and this is where things do feel kind of dreamlike and this is where it does kind of feel like all the major players in the story are somehow in purgatory in their own special way Mm -hmm. um where he wanders onto the scene and he sees that ray is there with chloe and so he runs up the tower uh to tell harry because he knows harry's out there to kill the person that he also has ill will towards um, so <laughs> Harry is in the middle of carrying Brendan Gleeson down many, many flights <laughs> of steps. It's a I didn't spiral to, staircase. I didn't, get to watch the, I didn't have time to watch the ending. I forgot about that. <laughs> yeah, so he did shoot him in the leg, and yeah. apparently that was okay. Like, you know, your your debt's been paid. Like, yeah. you, you, you did wrong, you get a bullet in the knee. Um, but then he's told that Ray's down... <laughs> stairs so that it starts everything up again and uh the two of them struggle on the staircase uh harry and ken and uh poor brendan gleason gets a slug in the neck mm. and it is a juicy like yeah. like air hose bush, spurt of, ah, they shot me <laughs> <laughs> i mean you, you better do it again it's brendan gleason <laughs> i was doing my uh, ray sure winston <laughs> i was doing my ray winston in the park ah, they got me <laughs> <laughs> fuck it <laughs> Um, oh, I mean, he also, you know, commits suicide, <laughs> like oh, both yeah. of them. Yeah. Too tough to die. They got it. They have to go out on their own terms. <laughs> I'd, rather, I'd rather shoot myself in the head than burn to death. Yeah. I'd, I'd rather shoot myself in the head than jump from a tower and then die a few minutes later. Yeah, that's what's coming <laughs> next. That, I, yeah. dude, I was not expecting it when I was watching this the first time. Uh, yeah, this this would be the uh, aforementioned brutal violence. Um, I know we mentioned that like probably two hours ago, but uh, yeah, uh, there are some pretty horrific images in this film. They, they don't really like linger on it, so it's not like a cruel kind of violence, but it's a very like shockingly realistic yeah. and just like heavy kind of violent. Uh, so yeah, uh, Ken gets a bullet in the neck, but he's not dead. Mm-mm. Uh, he's probably bleeding out because he has two bullets in him in very vital locations, but he crawls up the tower. It's like shooting a goddamn bear with a BB gun. You're going to need more bullets. <laughs> I mean, the noise you made uh, imitating Ray Winstone is probably an accurate an accurate portrayal of what Brendan Gleeson would do if shot. Just, ah, ah. Yeah. <laughs> Just, ah. And he keeps coming. <laughs> Just, ah. He sucks it in. <laughs> And like hops the <laughs> bullet out like a loogie. Yeah, he just you know grabs a wad of dirt and like <laughs> puts, puts it, it in, in there. To quote Lawrence Fishburne from The Matrix, "Stop trying to hit me and hit me." <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, he crawls up the tower while uh, Ray finds is running down the tower. So it's kind of a race between a very slow bear man up a staircase and a very fit Ray finds down a staircase. Um, and Brendan Gleeson, by the time he gets to the top, he, he somehow beats Ray Fiennes. Um, he discovers that there's too much fog. And actually, this is something that's alluded to in the script, that there's like a hazy dreamlike fog mm-hmm. that falls over the town at certain times of day. And, uh, it was beautiful before. Now it's frustrating. <laughs> um, so he, he's looking down from the tower where Blake Kyle had pointed out, he, 
had that moment where he was taking aim at a target down below. So it's possible, not probable, but possible that he could maybe shoot Harry from up there. Uh, but the fog makes it impossible to see anything. Uh, so he makes the determination to uh, put the gun in his coat pocket, uh, buttons up, makes himself look as good as he can, like, and uh, he steps off the tower. And when he hits the ground, oh my god, it, oof, oof. Uh, I, this is something we see in movies a lot of times, but not rendered in this way, where... I want to say this is probably more accurate to what it looks like, yeah. especially with that much mass. <laughs> um, yeah, so when he hits the ground, uh, there is a there's a splash of fluid, um, and Colin Farrell witnesses it and uh, immediately like cradles Chloe's head against his chest. He's like, "You don't need to see what I saw," yeah. um, but he runs over because he you know sees the silhouette and he's like, "Oh." It's a bear man. <laughs> it's like, can't be many of those in Bruges. <laughs> so he runs over, and yeah, he discovers it's his friend. And credit to Colin Farrell, his reaction is yeah. genuine. Like, he looks... Horrified. He look, yeah, horrified is the word. Um, but the, the brutal details that we've been alluding to are... Um, there are limbs scattered about. Mm-hmm. Um, there is a leg separated from Brendan Gleeson. Um, and... His forearm is still somewhat attached, but uh, I'm pretty sure whatever calls his brain is making to his fingers are not getting through, if you get my meaning. I don't think he's even conscious. I think he's completely blacked out. Like, he's not actually doing anything. Uh, he looks, I remember, he, I'm like, he looks like he's being taken over by the thing, uh, basically. Mm-hmm. He's being reshaped into something else. Yeah, he is a lump of humanity. Here. Yes. Um, and, yeah, uh, chunky salsa all over the place. And, and again, credit to the filmmaker. We don't linger on any of this imagery. We're talking about, like, barely a second of footage, like frames. Uh, but somebody lovingly designed this. <laughs> the man is goo now. Do you see? Okay, now we're just going to move forward. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, but they do have an exchange here where... Um, He's still speaking, even mm. though, like you said, he's probably not conscious. Yeah. Um, in fact, I think his last words, I'm going to die now or something. Yeah. But uh, he does tell Ray to get his gun. Mm-hmm. And uh, Ray does actually reach for the gun that uh, he had hid in his coat. And it's it's shattered, as it would be. You yeah. know, it fell from a great height along with him, and he fell on top of it. That would make me. Um, that would probably make me cry a little bit. Like, that was like, I know that he just jumped off there to, like, tell me to get the gun and it's smashed i'd be like oh fuck dude like that's that's pretty heavy yeah that would be the that would be the thing that you lie to him about like it's like i got the gun i got the gun yeah yeah i got the gun um but no uh it's broken it's useless um and harry is down at the street level at this point as well um and this starts a great chase (laughs) (laughs) where where the music kicks into high gear it's the only time in the entire movie as far as i remember that uh, we get some like electric guitar. It's like a ripping piece of music. Um, it calls back to a lot of the melodies that were present earlier in the film. But it's like it's a solid foot chase, where Ray finds is shooting at him and chasing him down all sorts of alcoves, as, as uh, Yuri yeah. would call them. Um, but long story short, we end up at the hotel mm-hmm. um, because you know Colin Farrell doesn't exactly know his way around Bruges. Um, and like we had mentioned earlier, Ken had placed the revolver upstairs. So it's a good thing he's headed that way. And uh, sure enough, he does find that. Um, but we get like a Mexican standoff type situation where 
uh, Ray is upstairs and Harry is downstairs, and Harry's having a verbal argument with uh, Marie, the co-owner of the establishment. And we have a very British moment where <laughs> the two of them have to come to an agreement that uh, I think Ray tells him, okay, so there's a canal out back. I can see it from my window. I don't want to involve the woman and her, you know, child to be. Um, I'm gonna. I'm going to jump out the window if you can agree to leave her alone and run out back. So I, you're gonna have a clear vantage point. You are gonna get some shots at me. Yeah. <laughs> they they go back and forth for a few minutes, and sure enough, that's exactly what happens. And uh, Colin got, Farrell. I do like how he convinces him. He's like, I'm gonna do this. Okay. He's like, Okay. Yeah. Sounds good. <laughs> Yeah, and then they get in a disagreement as to who has to count, and <laughs> we do a three, two, one, and but everybody complies. Everybody, nobody lies to each other. This is a matter of honor, Kyle. This is a matter <laughs> um, of honor. Um, and uh, Ray jumps onto a passing boat that just happened to be there. Uh, Hand of Fate sweeps in, and uh, when he hits the boat, though, uh, he drops the revolver in the canal, uh, mm-hmm. so he has no weapon now. And Ray finds finds that vantage point that Colin Farrell told him about. And uh, he takes his time, and he just plugs him right in the gut. Like he he gets him good shot, um, and thus begins the finale of the chase, where uh, Colin Farrell gets off the boat, and uh, he just magically arrives on the film set w- where Jimmy is working, and that haze has has uh, wandered onto the area. Uh, by the way, this whole sequence, the whole foot chase, uh, pretty much right after Ken died. Um, there's snow blowing all over the place, so it has a very Christmassy feel to it. I've got, um, there was something important that we leading up to this end part, uh, something that Ray Fine says to uh, Brendan Gleeson when they're sitting down. He's like, he shot a kid. He's like, he should have. He's like, he should have killed himself right there. If I had known that I had shot a kid, I would have just put the gun in my mouth, like right there. Thank you. Yeah. Sorry. Thank you. Yeah, that's very important. I forgot to mention um, that. It's very important, in fact. Yeah. Uh, sorry. Um, but yeah, that is what he said, and as we've seen through his behavior throughout the entire movie, he is a man of honor. Yes. Um, but yeah, uh, we're on the film set, and there's people in like all sorts of fanciful costumes and stuff. It's very dreamlike, and uh, Colin Farrell has, I think, I think he's just gut shot at this point. Yeah. But he, yeah, he does get many bullet wounds <laughs> later. Um, but he's stumbling around, and Jimmy sees him and starts to walk towards him. And it was around the time. Jimmy started to make a move towards him. That I, I figured out where things were going. You don't have to be a genius, yeah. but it's it's actually just a sign of skillful filmmaking and editing, where it's like, oh, I think I I I know. Um, but what happens is a uh, Harry gets a bead on Ray and he unloads on him, like pumps him full, like four or five bullets, and Ray falls down. And when Harry walks up to him, he notices, uh, oh, Jimmy's dead. Mm-hmm. in his schoolboy outfit. And because he used those dum-dum rounds that Yuri gave him, Jimmy's head is gone, basically, yeah. from from the nose up. It's just a, it's just a cavernous pit of goo. Um, so he can't see that it was a little person. He just sees the schoolboy outfit and, and the, the height, and he's like, oh, shit, yeah. I shot a kid. And he just looks at Ray, and he's like, I mean... <laughs> and he... he puts the pistol up to himself and uh i forget what his his last line is but you have to keep to your principles i think mm-hmm. um and he puts the pistol in his mouth and he blows the top of his own head up man's got a, man's got a code yes yeah, he's got a code and he's gonna stick to it yep. um 
His kids uh, are probably not going to be happy that their dad killed himself in Bruges. I don't know. He seems like he might be a dick. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that could be the case. Um, But it is interesting that Harry actually tries to stop him. Or or rather, uh, Ray tries to stop him. Like, he, he can't speak. Uh, because he's full of fucking lead but uh, he does like try to explain that it's like you didn't you didn't do the awful thing that you thought you did although you did shoot jimmy who seems like a decent fellow but (laughs) (laughs) but uh it doesn't make a difference because harry's dead ken is dead and then we get a kind of open-ended ending here uh where it's all shot from perspective from a race perspective as a bunch of people uh show up uh, to pick him up off the ground and load him into a ambulance, and uh, we see Chloe's crying face. Uh, I think we see uh, her ex boyfriend as well with the eye patch, um, and I can't remember exactly what he's talking about, but he's like reflecting on the nature of uh, hell, uh, like the afterlife, but more specifically hell, um, and he makes mention of perhaps an eternity in Bruges is hell, <laughs> 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 and uh, he. His closing lines are, uh, he had really, really hoped that he wouldn't die. But then we snap to black and we get credits, so we're not really sure what happened there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's a, damn, this is a fun movie. Mm-hmm. It's it's a difficult movie to pin down. Like, uh, the question I had for you up top was like, when do you watch this movie? <laughs> yeah, I uh, I don't know. It's it's just got a little bit of everything. Um, mm-hmm. Ultimately, I ultimately I think it's a dark comedy. Um, in the, besides the ending, um, yeah, I guess uh, it's early on in the Christmas season, or maybe even later if you're kind of tired of happy movies. It's whenever you are either not in the mood for a happy Christmas movie, or you're just over it. You're like let's just watch something that's. Christmas around Christmas time, but not necessarily about Christmas. Yeah, it it's difficult for me to pin down as like when you would put this on for somebody because like for me, me personally, I could watch a movie like this anytime. Mm-hmm. Like I I'm I don't have that in me where I get like in the mood for something specific, especially for an extended period of time, like an entire like say like a theme month or something. Like I I don't I don't really get that way. Uh, so my question would be like if you're if you were to present this to someone else like to me that just seems like impossible especially because so much of the themes are so heavy and like dour Mm -hmm. because this is kind of a depressing story in a lot of ways it's funny but if you think about it for two seconds it's like oh shit this is really sad it's (laughs) It's about very sad people too um doesn't mean it's it doesn't mean it's not enjoyable i i really had a lot of fun with it to be honest um but it's very seldom that movies get me down like i feel sadness when i watch them but it doesn't like bring me down and like ruin my whole day or something um but yeah it makes me want to check out uh three billboards being as apparently it's the only other feature film martin mcdonough's done uh and sounds like every time he steps up to play it it's good it's good um, it's not my favorite of his movies. It's still good, though. It's definitely worth checking out. I mean, there's a reason I've stayed away from it. Is because Seven Psychopaths has it has those elements of darkness, but it's mostly fun. Mm-hmm. Very similar to In Bruges, but Three Billboards. Everything about it just sounds heavy and kind of punishing. Like not not enjoyable. It sounds like a a heavy movie that maybe maybe if the themes 
like really resonate with you personally like it's something you'd be attracted to and be like yeah i really want to see that but for me it's like oh that sounds like a chore it's really not uh and i wasn't really sure what i was getting into either i was like you could tell francis mcdormand i'm like she's a little usually a little bit more chipper like she brings a certain kind of energy so i'm like i i kind of get an idea of what, what i'm getting into um I had kind of like a Fargo mindset going into it. I'm like, oh, this would be kind of fun. It might have a little bit of heaviness to it. Um, but yeah, it's it's on par with these two movies. Like it's, I actually I think this was probably the darkest one of his of the three that I've seen. Wow, yeah. that says a lot. Being as like the basic plot summary of three billboards sounds like oof. <laughs> it's surprisingly not as dark. Yeah, there okay. it has like a. I like the, I really like the ending of that movie. It's it's. A little frustrating, but I, I like the ending of that movie. Okay. Well, he's officially on my, my good list, so I, I'll, whenever I get a chance, maybe I'll check it out. Yeah, that's worth your time. Um, but yeah, this was the uh, the first week of Kyle's brutal Christmas. Mm-hmm. Um, so look forward to, I think, four more weeks of brutal uh, Christmassy slash holiday. Brutal slash ass just shit. Yeah. Br- brutal shit in December, basically. Yeah. Um, we'll see if things get even more brutal or if we, we kind of like toe the line at some Might point. But throttle back a little bit and then ease ease back into it. Yeah, we're going to roller coaster this shit. <laughs> <laughs> but um, that being said, uh, if you'd like to check out some of our other uh, non-brutal Christmas content, uh, that would be catching up on cinema podcasts. Uh, you can find all of those collected on our website. Uh, there's over 100 of them at uh, catchinguponcinema.com. Uh, and if you would like, uh, we also have a couple of social media accounts that you can certainly hit me up at. Uh, that would be an Instagram at Catching Up on Cinema, as well as a Twitter at Catching Cinema. Uh, so feel free to let me know uh, how bad of a job I did uh, botching <laughs> names and accents or whatever the fuck you feel like. <laughs> um, but yeah, that being said, uh, please like, share, subscribe, and all that shit. Um, and thank you so much for listening, and we will catch you next time. Yeah.